I worked at a camp. My first time ever working at a camp was after my freshman year in college. I worked at a Young Life camp. Anyone know who, what Young Life? Oh, whoa, whoa, hell, Young Life fans in the house. Uh, so I worked for Young Life. I kind of uh, did Young Life. I grew up in the church, but then I, uh, when I went to my senior year, got super involved. Young Life showed up in my high school, got super involved in that, and then I became a leader and came on staff in college. So after my freshman year, in high school, I mean, in college, I decided to go on summer staff with Young Life. And that's totally different than Hume. Hume, you actually get paid to work at Hume. And Young Life at the time, I don't know if it's changed now, but it's all volunteer. And so I, I remember kind of stepping forward in this huge step of faith. Uh, you know, college students are poor. Any college students in the house? Counselors? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, they've given up a week of getting paid in the summer to spend time with you. So they obviously love you. But um, I remember it being like a huge challenge to say, am I going to give up this time in the summer to come and to, um, and, and, and to work at this camp? And I, I remember just having this complete peace about it and being like, God's going to provide. I'll have to work during the semester and make it happen. But this is what I feel like God's calling me to do. And I remember stepping forward into that summer with one purpose, with one, with one vision. And I just my whole vision for that summer is I just want to be a part of God, what you're doing. That the students that come up to this camp, it was in, in Virginia, that's where I'm from. So it was in Rockbridge, Virginia. And I remember thinking, I just, I just want them to experience you, Jesus. And so use me however you want to use me. My life is yours. This summer is yours. Everything is yours. And so God, God, use me. And it was the most incredible summer, I think one of the top summers of my life. And I didn't get paid, I was worked well beyond my, my measure, I was exhausted almost all of the time, but I remember getting in the car and driving the two and a half hours back to my house and I cried the whole way home, like that kind of ugly cry, you know, like the like, you know, like the hovering cry. And I remember my, God, my dad picked me up from my friend's house and he was like, Rachel, what has happened? And I, I just remember I couldn't collect myself. And he was like, no, seriously, Rachel, like, what's your, what's your deal? And I said, I think that's the closest to heaven I'll ever be. <laughs> and um, I just remember thinking, like, we were all on, on, on task. We all had one purpose, and we were all there to bring glory to God and to make God's name known. And it was the sweetest, most beautiful, most amazing summer of working hard and seeing God move and, and being a part of the God's kingdom. And I just remember being like, this is, this is the sweetest feeling. This is the best. Like, and I know, I know it's not real life. I know I'm going back into to not being like-minded with other people. And I'm going back into a world where I'm going to have a lot of other forces. And a lot of my friends from college don't know Jesus or don't live out the, the, what God has called us to live. And so I remember just struggling with that and being like, I just want to go back. I just want to be there. And I went into my sophomore year of college and it was, it was a great year, but I, I definitely allowed friendships to come into my life that took me away from that point. I didn't go off the deep end, but I remember signing up for another summer at that Young Life camp the next year. It wasn't a question whether or not I would go back. Obviously, I was going to go back. 
And I remember during orientation, this, this old man, I still can picture him, he was wearing a blue plaid shirt and jeans that were just way too high, you know, those guys? Uh, and he, he was sitting there and he was very awkward and he, he opened up his Bible. You don't have to go there right now, but he opened up his Bible and he goes, Psalm 90. In Psalm 90, it says this in verse 12. Teach us to number our days, O Lord, that we may get a heart of wisdom. And I remember him looking at us and saying, you've got 72 days. 72 days here this summer. May God teach you to number your days that you may have a heart of wisdom. And then he put his Bible down and he was so lanky, he was like tall, I wish I could like do what he was doing. But he, he kind of walked around and he goes, it's not about you. This summer, it's not about you. 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 And I won't do what he did, but he awkwardly did that for the next like five minutes. So if I continued to do that, you'd be like, Rachel's gone cuckoo. Like I thought that guy had gone cuckoo. And we started having that like kind of like nervous, awkward laugh. Like, <laughs> like when's he gonna stop? This is so weird. It's not about you. It's not about you. You know, yeah, that's exactly what we're like. <laughs> this is weird. When's he gonna stop? You know, and he just kept saying it over and over and over again. He just kept saying, it's not about you. And, and it was so weird because, I, because now looking back, even just three months after that, looking back, I saw what he was doing. But in the moment, in the moment he was doing it, I missed it. Because that summer, I came with a different purpose. If you had asked me, why are you going to serve back at that camp again this summer? I would have completely answered you with the right answer. I would have been like, I just want to see God being on the move. I want to see God being on the move again. I want to be a part of what God's doing. But I knew in my heart why I was going back that summer. I was going back that summer because I wanted to build amazing friendships like I had built the summer before. I was going back that summer because I had so much fun the summer before. And I wanted to have fun again. And I remember it was just a minor switch in my mentality. But I stepped into that summer and I remember thinking, I, I, I want great friends again. I want to have fun. I want to be a part of this and part of this and part of that. And I missed the true purpose of why I was there serving. And you want to know why I know that? It's because I got caught up in weird things like prank wars between the girl and the guy staff. And when we got called out, I literally was sitting in our bunk talking trash about our boss who just happened to be my mentor that had chosen to come work that summer at the camp I was working at with me and my best friend because she wanted to be with us. And I was talking trash about my leader because she had to, had to hold us back. And she overheard us. And in my selfishness, I didn't even go to apologize because I thought she was wrong for making us not have fun. And time after time after time, 
relationship drama, boy drama, girl drama, the whole summer. I took my eyes off of what I was doing there and I made it about me. And ironically, God had put a man that was tall and weird and lanky and told me it wasn't about me for five whole minutes. And I missed it. And I pray, I pray so much that I don't get to the end of my life and I missed what the entire point of life was about. Our whole lives are meant, we were created, we were knit together in our mother's womb perfectly, just the way God wanted each of us to be with our quirks, with our weird things, with with the same hair color and eye color and everything, the way God wanted us to be. He knew what he was doing. And he said, this is how, this is how she is gonna bring me glory uniquely. That he made us different from one another Not so that we compare ourselves, not so that we become jealous of each other, not so that we we tear one another down and we, we put one of us above another, but he made us uniquely different so that he could use us in vast ways to reach amazing and incredible different people. But how often we miss that, huh? How often we, we look to our friends and maybe even in this week in this cabin already, you've looked and been like, I wish I was just more like her. I wish I was just more athletic like her or more funny like her or whatever that may be. How often we do that and we make life about us. When God is saying, I've made you uniquely for your life to be about me and not about you. I wanna use you to bring glory to my name. And I pray I don't get to the end of my life and I die and I look back on my life and I say, I made that whole thing about me. Even in full-time ministry, I made it about me. And that's, that's a daily, weekly struggle sometimes to stop and be like, you know what? Today, today I allowed today to be about me versus about what God's allowed me to be a part of. And we can easily get there. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of James. James is towards the back of your Bible. It's a little bit hard to find because it's a little little book. It's not very big. But when you see, um, if you start from the very back and kind of go forward, you're going to hit, when you hit Peter, it's on the other side of Peter. And then on the other side of Hebrews, so right in the middle, Hebrews and Peter. This uh, this spring, a group of girls up here, there's four of us that started going through the book of James. We're kind of only halfway through. We're kind of taking it verse by verse and unpacking it and diving into this book. If you've never read the book of James, oh man, read it if you want to get kicked in the face, you know? It's a good book um, that I think that is this practical life. One of the things I missed in the book of James in all these years, and I can humbly just sit here and tell you this, that I didn't realize that this book, that this book was written by, by Jesus's half-brother. 
And so this book was written not by, not by a disciple, not by somebody that was a follower of Jesus, but by his half-brother. And in the Gospels, we see an account of how Jesus' family did not believe. Mary, his mother, was the only one, we don't really hear a lot about his father, Joseph, but his brothers didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. In the Gospels, we read that his brothers believed that he was crazy. They lived with the Son of God. They lived with Jesus, and they missed it. They missed it. And it wasn't until Jesus died on a cross and rose again and came to his brother James that he believed. And the light bulb came on. After the fact of what Jesus had completed, everything that he had in his mission, and he came back and showed himself to his half-brothers, that's when they, they chose to believe. And James chose to believe, and so much so has written this book. There's so much good stuff in it. And I want to share with you what God is rocking me with. And one of the big things that God is rocking me with in this passage is, the, is um, this concept of, um, of not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. That we don't just hear God speak to us and then walk away. It talks about, it's like a, a, someone looking in a mirror and seeing their reflection and walking away and doing nothing. It's like seeing this, this, this um, you know, when you have like food stuck in your teeth or something, like that kind of, and it's like, I'm just gonna leave it there, you know, like just for fun. Like, no, we obviously would like take the food out of our teeth, right? Or like, we've got something hanging on, like we don't have beards, but you know how guys like keep like weird stuff in their beards and you're like, you got something, you know, and it's like, oh. And it's like, what else is growing in there? Like that's kind of this whole concept is that we see things in our life that God has, has totally said that we need to remove that. But we just see it and we keep living our lives with those things in our lives. That's been really rocking me. But what I want us to walk through even more so is, is found in verse 13. So of chapter three. So James three, verse 13. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wisdom, back to that Psalm 90. Teach me, O Lord, to number my days that you may create in me a heart of wisdom. Do you desire to have a heart of wisdom? This whole theme we're talking about of proclaiming God's truth in an ungodly culture. 
And what, what Brian unpacked last night, before we can proclaim it, we've got to believe it. We've got to trust it. And we've got a desire to live out the gospel. If you want to proclaim God's, God's name in this earth, if you want to realize that this life is short and it is not about you, you've got to decide, will your life be about Jesus? And some of you will walk out of this chapel. Some of you will walk out of this week of camp. Some of you will go down and you'll go to church every single Sunday and you will still miss it. Because you want your life to be about you. You do. You want it to be about you. You want it to be about the things of this earth. And you'll miss it. But when we look at this passage and it says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. May our lives not just be hearers. I was so convicted we're, we're through this Bible study that the, the woman that was, was writing the Bible study asked this question, when is the last time that you read God's word and you didn't just say, huh, that was a good, that was a good passage? and walked away and let your rest of your life go the way it was? Or did you hear God's word and it totally transformed the way you live your life? That it wasn't just a good word for a few minutes, but you totally allowed it to come in and to transform the way you lived your life. The way you talk to each other, the way that we stop those thoughts, Jealousy, selfish ambition, all of those things are such, they're, they're not concrete all the time. You know, it's like you can choose. When I was in high school, I chose not to drink. I chose to, to only go to this certain line with my boyfriend. I chose all these things in high school because I lived morally. And I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And it was a list of to-dos and don't-dos. And that's what, that was my relationship with God, was I just, I can't do these things, and I need to do these things. I need to go to church. I need to read my Bible as many times as I can and feel bad if I don't. I need to, to go on this mission trip. I need to sign up for summer camp. I need to do these things because that's what a good Christian is. And then I need to not drink at this party. I need to not smoke at this. I need to, to not be super mean over here and be, be really mean. And there was this list of do's and don'ts. But there wasn't freedom, there wasn't joy, there wasn't life in that. Because I was really making my life so much about me that I wanted people in church to think I was really good. And I wanted my friends in the world to not think I was like so good that I couldn't fit in with them. And I was doing this juggling act my entire high school career because I wanted people to like me. And I don't think that that's bad. I love that seminar of like how to proclaim God's truth without being a jerk because we, it doesn't mean that we just kind of walk through like boldly and just this like force that is like, ah, I hate everyone that doesn't believe what I believe. That we walk through like this passage says with meekness, with humility and wisdom, God's showing us how to live out our lives. But first you have to desire and decide what do you want your life to be about? Look back on, on James verses, verse, um, chapter two and um, verse 19. It's talking about that faith without works and that concept of that, that we, that we should live out our faith. 
that if we truly have a faith that we live it out, and there's a, there's a verse right there in verse 19 that says, you believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. I remember being in high school and, and starting to like this guy. And then my youth pastor looked at me and said, does he love Jesus? And I remember telling him all about how great he was. And he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. And I remember my youth pastor looking at me and he goes, but does he love Jesus? And I go, yeah, he goes to church. And he goes, well, even the demons go to church. And I remember just kind of like struggling with that. I'm like, no, they don't, you know? And I'm like, what does he mean by that? Um, but the concept is that the demons, the, the evil of the evil, know who God is. They know, they know this book. They know that the end of the book in Revelation, guess what? All the whole book of Revelation, if you get confused by what that book means, all you have to know that it means is that we win. That God wins, Jesus wins. At the end of the day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This earth will be gone. Evil will be banished forever. And we live our lives not having our days numbered, but we live our lives as if we have all the days in the world. Do you live saying, well, when I get to college, I think then I'll get serious with my faith. Or when I'm older, then I'll have the time. I won't have to get up so early for school. Well, talk to your counselors. Because when you get to college, you stay up later. So just because you don't have class till nine, you're just as exhausted. And then when you graduate college, there's a whole other level of issues that come up. You can't keep putting off your faith. Do you even desire to live and believe and hold on to God's truth? Brian challenged you guys last night with it. Where are you at? Is life about you? You know, the Hume, uh, the Hume logo, if you've never seen it, is a ripple. And, and this ripple, I looked up uh, what the word ripple effect means. And the word ripple effect talks about that starting from one event or one cause that creates this ripple effect. And then an unknown series of events happens because of one significant, one significant action. And there are things in our lives that create ripple effects all day long, right? Whether that's loss or that's, that's good things or that's getting into a certain college and then a ripple effect happens from that. All these different things happen from different events in our life. But there's only one thing that happens that has eternal consequences. And that's Jesus Christ coming into this earth. And where are you pointing? All of those ripples, as you look, have you guys, you know what I'm talking about? A ripple effect? Have you thrown a rock into a lake and you see the ripples come out from that? If not, you should go and do it today. Um, find a rock, throw it in the lake, and see the ripples happen. All the ripples go back to one center, one point of contact. What is the point of contact that all the actions in your life are pointing to? 
Is it you? Is it you? Or is it Jesus? Because you can believe just like the demons believe and you can even shudder like the demons believe. You've gotta believe that they are terrified. That they're terrified because they know that their days are numbered, that they get to run and rule this earth. That they only have a limited amount of time to corrupt and to break down what God is doing. And the sad thing is, is that some of you in this room believe and do not shudder. That you know who God is, that you've heard the truth your entire life, yet you still live with your life pointing back to you. And you wanna know the one thing that is the saddest is that you miss out on the beauty of living this life. You miss out. I remember a guy of mine once told me that had this ministry into the prisons and he would minister to people that were on death row, getting ready to have their life taken from them. They just have done the ugliest, the horrific acts. He was telling me about this one guy that came to know Jesus. And a group of friends and I were struggling and we were wrestling with that. And we're like, here's this guy and his whole life, he lived it in brokenness and evil and ugliness. And he finally surrenders his life to the Lord two weeks, two weeks before he dies. And he gets to go to heaven too. That just doesn't seem very fair. And I remember this guy looking at us and saying, Yes, but he missed out on all the goodness of the Lord. He missed out on all the sweetness. If your relationship with God is just simply so that you can have a ticket into heaven, you are gonna live this life with jealousy, with selfishness, with ugliness, constantly surrounding your life. And it doesn't mean that it's still not a struggle once you surrender it to Jesus. But I, I pray that my, 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 I'm quicker, quicker to acknowledge those things in my life and to run back to the Lord. It's tiring to make your life about you. When your life becomes about Jesus, it becomes less about you. It becomes less about your, your weaknesses and the ways that you don't measure up to the girls that you do life with. And it becomes more about the uniqueness and the ways God can use you. That you step forward and you say, I I know I'm broken. I may not look the way I want to look. I may not have all the things in the life that I want to have. But God, this is one life you've given me. And so we want it to be about you. Clayton McDonald is a guy I've never met but changed my life. He changed my life and I never even met him. Clayton McDonald had cancer and he had it several times throughout his whole life. The doctors finally said, Clayton, this is it. You have three months to live and this is it. There's no more treatments. There's no more that we can do. He fought it, he would get better. He fought it, he got better. This time, you won't get better. You will die probably within three months. You know what Clayton did? 
He traveled around and he spoke of who Jesus is. And he said, people are nicer to me because they know I'm gonna die. People love me differently and they tell me how much I mean to them and how awesome I am and how much they, they, they care about me because they know I'm going to die. But we should look at each other and know that each one of us are one day closer to death. Every day that we live, we're one day closer. And so when that verse says in Psalm 90, teach me to number my days, we don't have an endless life here on this earth. And too often we are so consumed, we are so consumed with how to make ourselves happy. And Clayton lived the rest of his days telling people that true happiness is not found in ourselves. That we have been given breath in our lungs and as long as we have breath, we have a purpose on this earth. And many will miss that purpose. Many enter through the gate that is wide. Few enter into the gate that is narrow. Where are you going? Are you following the crowd? Are you just trying to fit in? Are you just trying to blend in with everybody else in this culture and be enough like Jesus that you feel like you're, you're good to go and enough like the world that you feel like you're not being ostracized? Because I think that that creates a lack of peace in our lives. I left that summer number two exhausted and over it. I was over it. I didn't work at another camp for another seven years. Because that summer was about me. And it stole my joy. It stole it all. Because you know what I did? I just compared it to the year before. I just, I made everything about me. Did I still serve God? Was God's name still known? Was he, was he still glorified in lives of campers? Yep. God still works because God is on the move regardless of whether or not you're a part of it. Do you wanna miss it? Or do you wanna be a part of what God's doing? Are you even curious? Are you even curious to what it looks like when you take your eyes off of yourself and put it on Jesus? And it's not a one-time decision. It's not a one-time thing where we stand up in a chapel and we say, I did that, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good to go. But it's a constant thing of being a hearer of God's word and a doer and a living it out in our lives daily. It's being in community with people that will look at you and to say, did you really mean to say it like that? Hey, stop thinking those thoughts about yourself and letting Satan win that battle. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. So step forward in that. Don't miss how God wants to use you. Will life be about you? Will you be the center of your ripple? Or will you allow God to come in and to pierce your heart and for you to go out from there? So many things will come at you this world. Tonight we're gonna to talk about fear. 
So many of us fear what the girl to the right or the left of us think of us. Man, what would it look like if we just stopped and we started to fear, we started to fear the living God? Say, God, I just, I just want to live a life for you. What does that look like in your life? Let's pray. Father, I pray in these next few minutes that you would um, that you would just speak to each of us in this room. That you would show us the places in our life that um, we are making about us. We can't let go of anger. Can't let go of bitterness or jealousy. Those sins in our life that just creep in that are inside of us that no one even really sees. Too often we can live this life and we can portray to this world we want them to see, yet inwardly we know our hearts are in a completely different place. So Father, just like your word says, I ask that you would search us and know us and point out anything in us that offends you. God, if that is the prayer of people in this chapel, I pray that they would pray that silently, God, that they would ask you to search them and to know them and to point out the things in their life that are not bringing you glory. God, I pray that we would walk in this life in the boldness of knowing that true life and joy and peace is found when you're in the center of it. That you just don't endure us, that you don't just deal with us, but God, you want to enjoy us. That we are, we are your masterpiece. So God, may we start living like your masterpiece and not, not a workmanship of this world. Show us what that looks like, I pray, God. Amen.